Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. Welcome back. My guest today is Tara Nosek. She's a registered dietitian, but we actually didn't talk about nutrition in this episode. Tara is super passionate about mindset management and really thinking your way to better health. And that's what we focused on today. Now, I always say health is 50% what you do and 50% what you think. And I think Tara would agree. And after today's conversation, I hope that you would too. So what Tara and I discovered and what we talked about is how much does what we say to ourselves, the way that we operate from like a mental health perspective impacts our physical health. And we both discovered that individually over the years and working with clients and in our own health experiences. And that is what we focused on today. So we talked about the best tools for shifting the conversation with yourself, how to stop negative self-talk. What are some of the mindset shifts that are needed when you're managing a chronic condition like PCOS? How is diet culture feeding into all of this, everything that has to do with body image? and weight and how we perceive ourselves physically and, you know, our image of ourselves. And also, you know, some of the ways that you can get started if you want to be in a better headspace when it comes to managing PCOS, how you feel in your body and how motivated and positive you are about your life and about your health. And it is possible, even if you're struggling, it is possible to reframe some of those things and just be more at peace with what's happening. And I know it's not easy and we definitely talked about some of the obstacles to that, but it is possible. And today's conversation with Tara will hopefully inspire you to take some steps and, you know, take some action when it comes to mindset. And so without any further ado, let's bring on Tara Nosek. Hey, Tara. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting to connect with you. We've been like short messages on Instagram and stuff, but um, it's nice to connect. Yes, absolutely. And we have a really good topic today. I have to say I'm excited because when I asked you what you're passionate about and what you want to talk about, you said, let's talk about mindset. And that's something I talk about, but not often. I usually focus on nutrition and lifestyle things. And I think this is such a huge part that's not talked about enough. So you got me excited with this topic. That's great. I'm so glad. I feel like it's hard to do it's hard to do the downstream things like nutrition and lifestyle and changes when the mindset is not in the right place. And I, I see it so much. And this is coming from personal experience too. I, this is work I've done in myself, have consistently have to do in myself and go through seasons, you know? So I'm not speaking to this as everyone else is dealing with this. This is, this is a human right. condition, right? This is, you know, yes. what people deal with, um, especially with a chronic illness um, like PCOS, where there's so much symptomology that's just so distressing. <laughs> Yes. It can really get you down. It can really mess with your resolve. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I think this is kind of top tier and then the other things kind of ripple off 
Yes. It's so true. Like someone could be doing all the things, but if their head is not in the right place, their thoughts are hindering them. If they have negative self-talk, like all of that stuff can really impact, first of all, your hormones, right? The stress in your body and also your habits, your motivation, how consistent you are. So like, there's so much to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to dive into all of that, but I want you to introduce yourself first and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. I'm Tara Nosek. I am a registered dietitian. I've been for about, I guess it's been about 10 years now. And I have a private practice called Neat Nutrition. And um, like I was telling you, I just had a lot of women kind of finding me looking for help with PCOS. And um, I just felt kind of a calling to kind of work with this population because I just, they're not getting served. I mean, you know this, like it, it's, yeah. it, it's not great right now. And so I wanted to to kind of create this side project within my business to start serving this community. So I post, you know, a lot on, you know, informational things on Instagram. I'm really passionate about just like basic education that I feel like it's just not reaching people. So I work with women um, one-on-one. I'm also building an online course to kind of help reach a broader audience, but really just helping women understand how to make sustainable changes to support PCOS you know, for their lifespan. Um, I, I operate from a place of compassion. I'm, you know, I think that's something that people really love about me is that they feel heard, yes. you know, sometimes for the first time. And um, I love connecting with people. I love, I just love helping people with this because it's, it's not easy. Right. And um, if I can simplify things for people, if I can help them feel a little clearer about the path, like, it just lights me up and it makes me so happy. So yeah, I don't know if I Before, answered your question You did. Before we hit record, you also said the women who were reaching out to you that had PCOS were all crying. Like you noticed that everyone is really upset. Yeah. And I think we can understand why, especially with everything that's going mm-hmm. on online with misinformation and just overwhelm. But mm-hmm. what are some of the things that they were struggling with the most? I think the number one thing that came across to me in those five or six phone calls I got during that span of time. It was very weird. It was like the universe being like, Tara, this is for you. This is for you. (laughs) Um, But the main thing was how judged they felt at their doctor's appointment, how um, hurt they felt, how dismissed they felt. Like that was a big part of the tears of like, I don't know what to do about this. I don't know what's happening in my body. This person just told me that I have this condition gave me prescriptions and told me to go live my life. And I'm lost, you know, I'm lost. I can't lose weight. Um, You know, and that the the judgment kind of came is really weight focused. I feel like for many women, it's like, as soon as they walk in and they're living in a larger body, you know, that's, they immediately are judged. That's just, I mean, that's a phenomenon, right? We all have to check that. And I think physicians in particular, really bad at that. Generally speaking, I know not everybody's like that, but like these women are overweight or having weight issues because of PCOS, not the other way around. And that is the thing that really frustrates me. And um, so a a lot of it was just kind of the shame that they felt when they walked out of that appointment and just how they felt so lost. And I just was like, oh my God, this is such an opportunity for me to, to be the person that helps to guide them to what's going to help them um, and to also just offer them a space of compassion to be like, this is hard and I don't have PCOS, but 
I mean, yeah. I've, I've talked to enough women that I understand the feelings they're going through. I don't understand from personal experience, but um, it's just a space for them to feel heard and to feel like, oh, you're actually going to listen to like how I, what I think about this connection to this, you know, I'm like, you're the one that right. lives in your body every day. I'm, like, I'm willing to listen to whatever you have to say. And if you think this is causing this, let's roll with that, you know? Yeah. So I think it's also like when women go to the doctor and they have PCOS and yes, they're fat shamed, they're gaslit, they feel dismissed and feel like no one believes them or no one really sees their struggles for what they are. But there's also the side of assumptions. So if someone's living in a larger body, there are so many assumptions that often, you know, people around the healthcare system are making and obviously they're wrong. Obviously it's unfair. And we always say like, you can't really look at someone and assume what they're eating. You can't really look at someone and even know if they have PCOS or not, because women will tell me, my doctor said, I don't look like I have PCOS. Well, I don't know what that means. Like there's no such thing as looking like you have PCOS or not. And also just feeling like the person in front of you, the medical professional already has a preconceived notions notion of what you eat or how much you exercise or all of those things. It's just so frustrating. It's, it's really um, such a huge disservice, not just for women with PCOS, but to all of us as women. And, you know, usually men don't go through that experience. Um, and it's just such a, an, an illness in society. Like it's just a terrible thing that's rooted in the way our healthcare system is set up. It keeps so, me up at night to be honest with you. Like this is one of the core things. Like I don't know how to change it. And it's something that in my lifetime, I want to be a part of changing. I don't know if that's some type of initiative or foundation or something, but I just, um, I mean, I love like Aviva Ram and like mm-hmm. all the things that she promotes with like women's health. And I feel so inspired by her because she really calls out a lot of the, the crap that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. To follow her, she's so great. I do. Yeah. I love her. Um, yeah. But one thing I was going to say too is when these women go to the doctor, like they have no, these doctors have no idea what disordered eating is or that like even a relationship with food even exists. Like I was working in that, I was working in a clinic for a while and I was finding all these patients were like, like they had disordered eating behaviors. They had a really negative relationship with food. And I'm like, whoa, we've got to like start with this first. And he had such a beef with me because he didn't think that that was a thing. He didn't, he said, that's not a thing. You don't need to talk to people about that. Just put them on a diet plan. And I was like, okay. And I quit because like that's not, that's not going to work for me. I can't, I can't not live what I know to be true. And I think when, when, when judgment happens, when women walk in living in a larger body, it's like, you have no idea the stuff that these women have grown up with the stories that these women feel comfortable telling me about the food environment when they were kids the comments from their family when they were kids. I have one patient recently, the mother was always exercising and trying to put her on a diet as a young girl. The dad was always trying to feed her junk food. And so she had this like dichotomous thing going on between her parents that they both wanted her body size to be different. And it is, it totally just like, how could you ever move forward liking yourself, 
or having a good relationship with food when that's the kind of environment you grew up with. And that is a huge missing piece, I think, personally, just from the people that I've talked to is that 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 shapes what we do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It totally does. And it's 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 definitely a missing piece. So I focus on that a lot, too. Yeah. So I think a lot of people listening to us right now can relate and this definitely resonates. I, so. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would be really a good transition to talk a little bit now about what are some of the mindset things that you see as a result of these experiences? How does that, you said it shapes, you know, our behavior, it shapes our thoughts. What way does that, how does that work? So I think the biggest one that I, try to focus on with people like on a first session I'm like they're coming to me and they're in this short-term mindset right of like okay put me on this diet it's gonna fix all my problems and I'm like wait a second (laughs) I want you to think about this of a six month to a year span that's what that's the time frame I want you to have right now but this is forever so Mm -hmm. we have to this has to be sustainable in this moment and I want you to just focus on those small wins, making small changes over time, but we have to shift from a short-term to a long-term mindset because PCOS is long game. The risks are lifelong. And that's not to scare anybody, but to just educate and be like, hey, this is what we're dealing with. Um, So I think that's, and that that comes from diet culture, right? It's just like, this diet is going to give you X, Y, Z results in six weeks or whatever. Um, So like, and I think we can see like why someone would want that or why we would think that that's, okay and normal because again Mm -hmm. if you were told to diet you since childhood or if your doctor keeps you know giving you a prescription for keto or go on a diet or don't eat carbs and even though everyone listening to us is super educated super smart super knowledgeable Mm -hmm. but those messages trickle in like emotional right yeah they're emotional emotions and your emotions are, I want to feel better. I want to get this weight off. I want to get this acne off my face, you know? Exactly. And those issues are so pressing and they're so urgent that we want the quickest thing possible that will give I'm the same way. (laughs) Right? Problems fast. I live in this culture of instant gratification too. This is, I mean, I'm holding a mirror up to myself. I am exactly this way. But, But it is, it is, unfortunately, it is a mindset shift that we have to make is that, you know, I think- Yeah. And I think when something is longer term, yes, it's not as sexy. It obviously takes patience, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it gets deeper into the problem, right? So uh, the benefits of of long-term relief are huge as opposed to going and cycling through the little hits of like wins, those usually don't last. And so it's a trade-off, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, it's something that you write. It's a mindset shift that is important to make. It's not easy, but I totally agree with you that just setting the expectation and telling someone, Hey, yeah. listen, this is your hormones. We're talking about the long game. This is a chronic condition. Let's do it low and slow. And this is how I always kind of related to people is just with myself. Like I've had a lot of problems (laughs) in my twenties with like some health issues that I was going through. And I certainly am a 42 now. I certainly haven't changed all of that overnight, you know, and I'm a dietitian, like this stuff takes time. And I, I like to think of it as like, okay, 
the way I eat right now is not so different than the way I ate three months ago, but it's very different than the way I ate three years ago because I've grown habits. I've changed little things over time. I've adopted new things, but whatever you're changing has to be something you see yourself doing forever indefinitely. And that doesn't mean that you won't add more to it, but the thing that you start with (laughs) to be something that you can do with longevity, because you can't not, you can't, you can't not, you cannot white knuckle your way through nutrition the rest of your life. You can do it for three weeks. You can maybe do it for three months, but you cannot do it for the rest of your life. You will eventually burn out, fall off, you know, and that's, that's when the cycle starts, right? Of like feeling shitty about yourself. And I can never do this. I'm never going to do this. Then kind of not caring about your weight, not taking care of your or your health, not taking care of yourself. And then you're back to square one. You're like, okay, well, this shiny diet sounds really great. So let's just do that. And let's get back on the cycle. And then it just repeat, you know, just repeats and repeats and repeats. And yeah, so I'm like, put, out of. put something in that wheel to stop it from turning so that, you know, we can start getting some progress over time, but. Okay, great. So that one, I totally agree with. It's definitely step one. What else? What other mindset Um, So with nutrition specifically, this, this I find to be a real game changer with some people. It's just a light bulb switches on. It's like, I want you to focus on what you're adding to your plate. I don't want you to focus at all on what you're taking away. In fact, I want you to still include those foods. You don't think that you should be eating that you like. I want you, I want those to still be a part of your life. But focusing on what you're adding, you're automatically going to shift some of that stuff out. Because when you focus on adding protein, when you focus on adding veggies and fiber-rich carbohydrates, you're going to feel fuller, right? You know, you're going to have better blood sugar balance. You're not going to be hungry all the time. You're not going to be having as many sugar cravings. It's eventually going to trickle down into your other symptoms. Um, and then those things just kind of improve on their own. But we want to we want to get in and control it, right? We want to restrict because that's just what we've been taught to do. We've mm-hmm. all been taught to do that. Seventeen magazine, growing up with all that crap. Like that's just what we've been taught to do. But if you can focus on what you're adding, it is such a better place to come from, and it's so freeing. Honestly, like it's 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 so simple, and it sounds so elementary, and like that wouldn't really work. But when you do that, like you give yourself a little bit of permission, right? Also, which is great. Um, I would say addition versus subtraction is, is really, really helpful. Yeah. It makes things more positive too. Cause no one likes to take away stuff, but when you're like, I can have more and I have variety and I get excited about what I'm eating, it almost like feeds into a more positive thought process. Right. So, and you know, that's helpful for mood. That's helpful for feeling motivated. Like it just is this really great domino effect. So I love that one. What else? Um, living in absolutes, perfectionism, recovering perfectionism. So so living in absolutes of like, I always have to eat this way, or it has to be perfect, or it's not worth doing, right? I've fallen into that trap for sure in my own life, especially when it comes to like, movement, like, if I can't, you know, move my body five times this week, I'm not going to do it. I'm kind of past that at this point in my life. But like, that was one thing I struggle with is just like, it has to be this, it has to be like the best, right? We have best, we have better and we have good, right? Good, better, best. So we can still be in the good and it's still worthy. It's still moving us forward. It doesn't have to be perfect to be good or to be of value. Um, and I think when you live in absolutes, it just, 
it's hard to give yourself any bend or any flexibility, you know, to like that whole, like if you're doing really great with your nutrition for a while, and then like you have a really, like your family comes in town and you have a work deadline and like all the stuff just falls on your lap because it happens that way. Right. And you just completely just fall off of what you've been doing. That's typically when people just, they stay there. Right. Instead of being like, okay, this was a moment. <laughs> I'm going to focus on what I did before. and I'm just going to get right back with it. So mm-hmm. I think that, that I see that be a really big shift in people. It's like, Oh, I don't, I don't have to jump off the diving board. I can just, I can keep going and get back to what I was doing. So, yeah. 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 I like that. I I think that living in extremes is something we all do in different aspects. Yeah. And I've seen it a lot with the women in my program where you know, weekend eating, or even we have the holidays coming up, like one small thing that's off the routine can really throw them off completely for weeks and months. And then it's really hard to rein it back in, right? So we talk about the GPS, we talk about recalculating, rerouting yourself right away. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And not letting, you know, any wrong turns, you know, I mean, I'm putting it in air quotes because it's, you know, a wrong turn is not really wrong. It's just, yeah. (laughs) And so once that happens, what we don't want to do is completely go off route or return to what we were doing before, right? We wouldn't go home if we made a wrong turn on our way somewhere. We would just... That's such a good analogy. I love that. Okay. I want to use that. (laughs) Yeah. And just kind of, you know, it may take you longer. You may not go the scenic route, but you're still going to get there. And so it's really something that makes or breaks someone's effort and their whole health journey. Because once you get thrown off and you don't recover, you don't come back, you're not starting from zero. You're starting from like negative 50 mm-hmm. because it's so hard to get back. Okay. You've already so far gone so from where you, about were. Yourself. you feel Yeah. And the whole thing just lingers and lingers and it leads to more of what you don't want. So I love that. Not li- living in absolutes. I totally agree with it. I think everyone listening right now, like if you're a recovering perfectionist, raise your hand. Even if you're in the car, you're on the treadmill, you're doing dishes, like we're all there. We've all been there. And I see a lot of really high achieving women really beat themselves up for that kind of stuff, right? For yeah. drinking alcohol, from eating cake. Do we really think that we're never going to eat cake if we want to get healthy? Like that is absolutely ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? We we sometimes we think things and we're like that is ridiculous, but I'm still going to believe this really ridiculous thought because I want to be perfect or I want to do things out to 110 degrees. You don't need that. You do not need to be perfect to see success with PCOS. Letting go of these extremes is going to be the best, most freeing things thing that you do, just like Tara said. So I fully agree. I really love that you said that. I think a lot of people listening right now needed that. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. It kind of like segues into the next thing I had kind of wrote here is um, this is an analogy I give a lot too is we have to have the ability to zoom out. And this happened to me when I was on an airplane one time and I was just going through some shit. (laughs) And I like looked out of the airplane and I looked down and I was like, look at all these people in this world. Look at, I'm just like, and not like I'm small, but like you have to be able to zoom out on your problems. You have to be able, and I tell people to like, imagine they're 30,000 feet up looking on their progress. Like not in this moment where things are really bad or it's hard, but zoom out, look at where you've been because you'll 
you'll miss all that great stuff if you're so hyper-focused. And that's what we do. We hyper-focus on the bad thing, that one little bad thing, that one thing that we can't change. And so this just has helped me personally is just to to visualize myself zooming out and looking at my progress over time, like over six months, right? That's the zoom out versus being in this one minute, in this one day where it's hard, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's something I just personally have is helpful for me, but I like, I like visualizations and things like that. And I think that's helped me to just like get out of my head, you know? Okay. Yeah. I love that. So speaking of visualization, what are some other tools that you've used or that you've seen helpful for clients in this? Um, so I think maybe you can tell us how does visualization works for people who haven't tried it before or don't know what it is. Can you explain a little bit about how you use it? Yeah. So I, and I don't, I mean, I'm not a psychologist or anything. <laughs> it's just what's worked for me, but, um, but yeah, like, so, like some exercise, I'm really big on journaling. I recommend that to a lot of my clients, but, um, is, um, is just really, sorry, let's back up here. Say the question one more time. I got a little off visualization. So okay, sorry, I visualization. assume you close your eyes. That's the first step. Yes. Yeah, so close your eyes. One thing I do is like, if I'm having a really crappy day or there's just a lot in my head, you know, that, that night where you can't fall asleep because there's so much going on as I, I will grab up just a piece of paper, not even a journal. And I will just write all that crap down. Who pissed me off? This happened. I've got to do 8 million things. This is why I'm overwhelmed because when we have anxiety, it's not very clear what we're anxious about. Right. It's just a bunch of things in our head. So I just, I visualize myself like putting it on the paper and just leaving it there. We can get to it tomorrow. So that's a visualization that I've done in the past. I'd say I'm more big on journaling. Um, meditation. I know like nobody wants to do it because it's hard, but like it's been one of the biggest needle movers for me is meditation and getting out of my head and it's hard and it takes practice, but you can do it for five minutes a day and that can really shift the way you respond to things in your life. So I, I often recommend that. And then like I said, use an app for that. Um, I do sometimes, um, there's waking up is really great. They have a 30 day free trial. There's, um, Headspace has actually a Netflix special that kind of, Oh, it's so good. It explains what meditation is for people and it really with the, with the animation. So it's really accessible. And then they have guided meditations at the end of the episode. So I love recommending that because it's free. Everybody has free, but you already have it. So it's a resource you can use. Um, so you can that. play a meditation on Netflix through there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called... So Headspace has an app that yep. they you know, have the guided meditations, but they also have a special... Um, it's like a series that... And it's interactive. So you can choose like, do you want to relax? Do you want to calm down? Do you want to mm-hmm. go to sleep type of thing? And then um, it'll just kind of walk you through this animation of understanding what is the goal of meditation? Because it's a really abstract... I mean, I'm not even sure I really understand it fully. Right. I'm, I'm grasping it, but... um. But I think that can be just such a big thing is just to get stop thinking for five seconds and get out of our head and get out of our crap that we're yes. the negative loops that are going on, you know, in our heads. So yeah. um, I've used the Calm app and I really like it. Oh, that was great too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've heard of Headspace. And I think that until you try it and you really do it consistently, consistently for a little bit, you don't really notice much. Um, that's been my experience, but I've done it 
on and off since last March. And I can honestly say the day that I do, and I do like a nine minute meditation, it's like literally in no time. There's the, um, there's a, the, so I have a thing with voices. Like I don't like the voice, all the voices, the, you know, the, the people who guide the meditation, right? Yeah. Like some of their voices really irritate me. So Mm -hmm. that defeats the purpose. (laughs) So I have this one guy, his name is Jeff Walker, I think, or Jeff something, Warren, I don't know, but he has the best voice. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the Calm app. And I want a does... Matthew McConaughey meditation app. That would be, <laughs> that would be too distracting for me. But <laughs> so I love me a little Matthew, but um, he does, it's called a daily trip. Okay. And yeah, and it's really good. So I'm sure all the other apps have it. A lot of them mm-hmm. are free and Calm has a trial. It, it is a paid app uh, if you want to get to like the big library of things. But the days that I do it, I do feel better. I feel more focused. I can concentrate more. Like it just really taps into your nervous system. So it's not all mental. Like, of course, there's a biological side to it too. So Mm -hmm. anyone who's listening and has not tried meditation, if you have 10 minutes in your day and everyone does, try it. Give it a try for like a week and see how you feel. You know, it's really hard to focus and like really be present at first, but I do agree that that's something that you can learn to do. And it's such a huge benefit for PCOS, especially with the rates of anxiety that we see and Mm -hmm. all the mental health aspect of it. So, and we've got great data on meditation and particular, like we know that Mm -hmm. it's not just like this woo thing, you know, but it's been around for I don't know. I don't want to say it wrong, but thousands and thousands of years. I mean, there's something to this, you know, and I, I wish more people recommended that for people because it can be really powerful. And I think if more physicians recommended some of these things, I think people would be have more buy-in, you know, because people are going yeah. to their doctors for wisdom. They're going for solutions and tools, but yeah. And I think it ties back to the perfection conversation because there's not one right way to meditate. Totally. Like, you know, totally. some people, it's I don't have hard. a lot. <laughs> it's hard. Totally. And some women um, who I work with, they pray. And that's obviously a form of meditation and connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, if you pray, if you like to just doodle and just focus and like yeah. zone out for a little bit, if you like to do adult coloring books. That's what you- I was just going to say. <laughs> I have some clients who love those. That's yeah. So, so like whatever form of being present, get giving your mind some rest taking that mental break it's good quiet so yes i think the smartphone makes it and kind of the the screens make it even more challenging for us to meditate because everything's so fast paced Mm -hmm. and we're getting hit with so much stimuli right on the screen all day long but meditation is even i think even harder i think i see that in myself you know just being able to just not do anything, you know, because yeah. I'm like one of those people that's always trying to make sure my time is efficient, you know. So sitting down and making myself not do anything, like I meditated right before we started, so I felt like clear, just with what I wanted to say, and just I wanted things to move out of me, you know, in in a good way. And it was hard because I was thinking, okay, I want to make sure we cover, like I say this, or I don't forget to talk about this, you know. Right. So thoughts, okay, put it in a bubble and let it float away, you know. So yes, yeah. Um, yeah. So any other tools? Yeah. Any other yeah, tools? I think there's probably two others I just like to mention. Um, so journaling, I, I really recommend this for a lot of people. And this is not necessarily 
Dear Diary, today I right. went to, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is using gratitude and affirmations to shift kind of where you're at <laughs> in a moment. I use this, I started doing it during COVID because I was so freaked out. I have two little kids at the time. I was like, the world is ending. Like what is happening? And so this was the one thing that really helped me get centered on things. So I was feeling super scared. So I would write affirmations like, I am safe. Like there's people coming up with solutions. You know, so basically like this is how I explain affirmations. It's like what I want to see, what I want to happen, but I'm, you know, and like this, this is not my original work. This is like Louise Hay and all those people, but saying it as if it's already happened. You're telling your brain and your brain does not know the difference. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things to back it up is to listen to the inner dialogue in you that's going on all day. Have you ever like actually just tuned in and listened to all the stuff you're saying to yourself throughout the day? Like if you really paid attention, is it kind or is it cruel? Is it, you know, how many times a day do you cut yourself down or look at yourself in the mirror? So you're never going to be able to do that. Like this comes from personal experience, by the way. Um, do you affirm yourself in some way throughout the day? Is there anything positive that you're saying about yourself? And when you listen and you tune in, like it's, it's a hot mess sometimes for me. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm going through that season, like it is, it, I would never say those things to anybody else, anybody in my life. But the stuff I say to myself sometimes, like, oh my God, how would I ever expect myself to do anything positive when that's the inner dialogue? And I I don't know if this resonates with people, but I'm just being super transparent and honest here. This is something that I've struggled with in my life and I'm in a much better place than I used to be with it, but it's ongoing work, you know, yes. trying to change that inner dialogue. And so what I'll do is ask someone to pay attention to what's going on in their head. I want them to write down those things that they're saying to themselves if they catch it. And then we use that list to create affirmations. So mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able to X, Y, Z, you know, and then we, and then we create the affirmation on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I am able to nourish my body in a way that makes me feel good or whatever it is. Yeah. And it feels so it feels so ick at first. It really does because <laughs> like you, you don't believe those things. Right. Right. But over time, if you continue to tell your brain that is, you know, that positivity, your brain will start to accept it. will start to integrate it into your thoughts. So, you know, a, just a, a daily exercise I do, I don't do it every day, but I try to do it several times a week, especially if I'm not feeling great is I just write down five things three to five things I'm grateful for. That also feels super ick in the beginning, but it gets better. (laughs) And then I write down like, you know, three, five or even 10 affirmations of things I want to be or see, but I'm, I'm writing them as if they already are. Mm -hmm. And that single practice has totally been like just a shifter for me and for myself. So, and I have had some clients have some nice, um, you know, outcomes and results from using that. So yeah, it's a little bit of manifestation too. So it's manifesting and affirmations together. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. It's so funny that you mentioned the self-dialogue. I saw today on one of the morning shows, they have an initiative that's called uh, stopping self-bullying. And so 
you shared that you've struggled with it. I definitely did. And I know everyone listening is probably nodding their head. And I know it's a, it's a thing because now it's getting national attention where they had an experiment. They did an experiment and they did what you just said. So they had people write down their inner dialogue, the things that they say to themselves on a piece of paper. But what they didn't know, those people, is that the next step is for them to read it to a loved one and say it to that person. So, yeah. 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 So, and they filmed them. And so, and they told them, you know, how do you feel saying it to your mom or your sister or your best friend? And it was really an eye opener for these people because they had to read it to them and say, you're a loser or Mm -hmm. I hate you or you're never going to be good enough or things like that. Horrible, horrible things that we all have said to ourselves Mm -hmm. at some point. And they now have to read it to a person they really love. And so that was an exercise in self-bullying and thinking about truly what you say to yourself. And is it, is it true? First of all, how does it feel? And thirdly, you know, can you replace that, like you said, with something that's more positive? And if it could be manifesting a better life for yourself, even better, right? So, yeah, yeah. I think one thing that's moved me to, and sometimes I forget about this because I've read about it in several books over the year, but is picturing yourself as a three, four or five-year-old, like little you, you know, especially if you went through some crap when you were a kid, like, what would you say I don't know, that to me has like connected me so much to myself is to picture little me and, yeah. and seeing something to myself. Like, would I say that to little me? Would I want someone to have said that to little me? Right. Taking care of, you know, we all have that inner child. This is getting kind of off topic, but we all have that inner child, right? And so speaking to that inner child in a way. And I love this um, this quote, you probably know it. Um, it's called, the words you speak become the house you live in. Mm. Oh, so good. So it's so true. It's so true. And if you can change the way you speak to yourself, you can change so much about your life. So So how do you see all of that relate back to PCOS? Do you think that this is something that needs to be part of what people do on an ongoing basis? Or how would you, when you consult people, how do you incorporate some of these things into their new lifestyle? Yeah, so I, I pick the tools that I feel like will be the best fit for them or I give them kind of an option go through some things and say, Hey, you know, how do you feel about this? I usually try to give people a few things in each kind of area. So nutrition, we obviously talk about that lifestyle stress, stress usually falls under kind of stress management. And I give them a couple of things to focus on. I start with like, Hey, let's do this for three to five minutes a day, whatever it is they decide to do. Let's just take off a little bit because we have to, we, we can't just focus on nutrition. <laughs> We can't yeah. just focus on that. We have to focus on the whole picture um, and, you know, kind of all the roots of that tree. So it's really just about them feeling better and, and loving yourself. You cannot change. You cannot successfully and sustainably change behaviors and take care of yourself. If you don't love yourself, if you're not coming from a place of love, if you're coming from a place of tearing yourself down. You're not going to be able to maintain what you're trying to do. It's, you know, these things are like the ultimate act of self-love is to take time to prepare a meal for yourself, to take three minutes to meditate, to, you know, go to bed early and give yourself some rest. Like that's how I try to frame it. It's like, this is how you love yourself is by showing up in these ways, you know, because we show up for everybody else, (laughs) do all the things for everybody else. We make sure everybody else is taken care of. And so it really is like we have to take that moment to to love ourselves. And this is how we do it. 
And when we change those little things over time, we start to see changes in our PCOS. We start to see changes in what becomes just normal for us. Like, oh, it's just normal for me to eat a high protein breakfast because this is just what I do now. And I think that that's what kind of goes back to the beginning is like, if the mindset's not in the right place, if this is not coming from a place of love and self-care and positivity, it's going to be very hard to just white knuckle and maintain what you're doing because you don't like yourself or because you feel like you have to, or it's just coming from a negative place. So, yeah, I love that. I love that you said when you take care of yourself, it's from a place of loving yourself and really wanting the best for yourself. And that does start with that mindset. That does start with knowing that you're worthy, knowing that your body may not be perfect. No one else's is. And so it's okay to live in a body that maybe you don't love right now, but you could still take care of it and Mm -hmm. you can still do things for yourself. Yeah. Because you know that that's the best thing for your health, for your future, for, you know, Mm -hmm. for everything that you want to accomplish. You can't accomplish those things if you're coming from a place of negativity and self-loathing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's another thing I think about too, is um, that I talk about with people often is changing like our language and our vocabulary about what we use, because there's such a charge that comes with, in particular, I find the most, the word diet and the word exercise. There is a very negative charge to those words for a lot of people, not for everybody, but in particular for PCOS, I think that tends to be very relevant. Um, I don't know if you think that, so I like to tell people to just change, t- change the terminology. Like, so instead of saying diet, say eating pattern, say nourishment or, or decide what that word's going to be. And for exercise, like you, you probably hear, I probably said it today. I say movement. That's how I refer to that. Because to me, it's just it more, it's more positive, right? It takes all that baggage of like Jane Fonda, no offense, and all of that crap and beach body and stuff. Like, you get to create it, especially when people are coming from a really broken relationship with their body or with food or whatever. This is a great journaling prompt is to take the word diet and write down all of the things that that, that come stream of consciousness. What comes to mind when you think of the word diet? Like what comes to mind? The next page, you write the word eating pattern or whatever you decide that term to be, and you get to recreate it. You get to say, okay, this is, you know, giving my body, you know, X, Y, Z or whatever you want to say to, to create that. So you can make it your own. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. like almost like a restart, you know, same with movement because a lot of people move to burn calories. That's what we were told we were supposed to to move for at least my whole life. And like growing up in the eighties and nineties is like, that is the message. Right. And there's like endless reasons for us to exercise, right? Endless. And so I think movement just for me, I don't know, it just feels better when I say that too. But I've had a lot of people who really like that, just that vocabulary shift of being able to say, I move my body because it helps my blood pressure. I move my body because it helps me use glucose. I move my body because it helps my mental health. That's the main reason I move my body. (laughs) That is it for me. Like that really helps me stay um, in a good mental space. So anyway, that was one thing I just wanted to add that I really love doing with people if it's if it's relevant. Changing the language, using yeah. different terms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Anything else that you can share about that aspect of things, the mindset, the negative self-talk, the inner dialogue, if someone's currently struggling with it and they don't know where to start, what would you say is a good first step? Um, I would journal and I would write down all of your crap, write it all down, look at it, 
Like get it out of your brain. Look at it. Um, find the find the sources that are gonna help move you. Like I know for myself, when I've been in bad places, it's always been books. It's always been certain authors that have really been able to lift me out of and just give you a different perspective because you're so in your head. You cannot see any other way to think about things or to view things. Um, So I love Gabrielle Bernstein's books. The Universe Has Your Back is a really great book. Um, And that's more of like a spiritual book. Um, Louise Hay's books are just amazing. I think that book changed my life. Um, you can change your life. <laughs> okay. Cool. That's what it's called. Um, yeah. And she, she's from like the nineties, but great, um, books. Who else? Um, Brianna Wiest. She's kind of an, um, new on my radar, but she writes just these beautiful, like, I guess they're poems and kind of like blurbs she puts on Instagram, but I've never seen anybody be able to capture such complicated feelings and like concepts and something that's just so beautiful. And just, I feel like she's directly speaking to me and her book, the mountain is you is like, oh, it's so beautiful. The whole thing is so great. Um, a big, a big portion of it is about self-sabotage, which I think happens a lot with women, especially when it comes to nutrition and all that. So I love her book, just some, but something that's going to move you out of like the fact that they're listening to this podcast, right? They probably get so much inspiration from you and like just a different perspective of looking at things and new ideas. But, you know, if, if you don't love yourself, like that's, you got to start there. You know, if you're having some inner dialogue that's messy, you got to start there and you got to start with the affirmations and kind of recognizing what's going on in you. I think therapy is great for everybody, yes. honestly, you know. Um, yeah, especially if there's trauma or there's some childhood yeah, situations yeah. that are still not resolved. I think, you know, we also have to say if someone's really struggling and if there's an impact, a negative impact on their day-to-day functioning, there's something deeper that needs to be addressed there and mm-hmm. seeking the right help is super important. Yeah, like even on like the disordered eating spectrum, like there's such a spectrum there. So it's a little tricky. I feel like I have some tools to help people to some degree. But when I feel like this is beyond me, I'm like, you know, I think you really need to get a higher level of care. Somebody that, you know, has a little bit more education or education on this. Yeah. And because that plays a role in kind of how successful you're going to be um, is, is, is just creating a better relationship with food and and not being on this pendulum swing, right. That, that we see it's just dieting and binging or not necessarily binging, but you know what I mean? Just, yeah, it could be, it could be on yeah. and off. Maybe not like, um, technically binging, like the binge disorder, but just, you know, swinging back and forth between that restrictive mindset. So, um, yeah, podcasts are great. I think just something, a practice that's just for you, you know, something that is just for you. I love my night routine. That's like, just for me when I kids are asleep, it's such a, it's such a great time for me because I sit and I, maybe I do a little yoga or stretching, or maybe I do a little journaling or I do a meditation, but it's just this time that's just for me where I can take care of myself and take mm-hmm. care of my mental health, you know, my mental yeah. so that's where I would start. Okay, great. I love that you mentioned routines. Those are, I think, very underrated. Just having a sequence of events, a set of actions that you do either in the morning, if you're a morning person and you have that time or in the evening or both, 
But I think that also feeds into consistency. Like when you have a routine and you follow it, the rest of your day is going to be more predictable. So if you're always flying by the seat of your pants and I've been there, I'm definitely that person. It doesn't feel good. You feel so scatterbrained. You feel Mm -hmm. like always you're overwhelmed. You're always putting out fires. So even if it means you're taking some time away from scrolling your phone on the I toilet. Just about which, that today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I have a client. She's like, all right, I guess I could not scroll on the phone on the toilet while I'm, you know, doing my thing in the morning and take the 15 minutes to do something else. I was like, you could definitely do that. That is doable. So finding those times in your day. Mm-hmm to allocate to a morning routine, an evening routine, just something that will set you up for either a better night's sleep or a better day ahead. So very important. Mm -hmm. Routines and rituals are like, I think that's where the magic is. And it doesn't need to be anything elaborate. It doesn't need to be something with 10 steps in it. Like start with one or two things that you're going to do with consistency every day and just watch that grow and watch that build. Because once you start to feel good about the things you're doing, you want more. Yes. You know, you want to go further. You want to, um, it's funny. I just posted about the scrolling today. And so on my post, I was like, okay, you spend 30 minutes on TikTok is gone easily, right? Like I'm not on TikTok. I'm just, I'm too old for it. But <laughs> if you're on TikTok or Instagram, whatever, like 30 minutes can be gone in a heartbeat. And if you did that every single day for one week, you'd have three and a half hours. Like, what could you do with three and a half hours? Like that could be the space that you needed to just do a 20 minute walk a day or whatever it is that whatever positive thing you want to bring into your life. And, and time is, it, it's, it adds yeah. up, right? It really does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you look at that and you really audit your time, you're going to find so much time that you can use to just make life more positive for you. And I think, this is the biggest misconception is people think getting to a, into a positive mindset is like a switch on off today. I'm happy today. I'm not happy. It's not like that. It takes work. And so you got to put in the work to find the time to journal, to do the, the inner work that needs to get done for you to be in a more positive headspace and really change your mindset. It just doesn't happen. You know, we all want to be positive all the time. Why doesn't it happen? Well, probably because it's a little bit more complicated than that, right? And we need to put the work and really be intentional with how we spend our time and what are the inputs that we're letting in. I was just going to say. Yes. <laughs> like when you go on social media, you're not, you're not controlling what you see you know, Instagram's deciding that for you. And so really controlling those inputs and using your time, you know, and if you enjoy that, and if it's giving you mental relief, that's okay. But if you're still not in a good headspace, maybe you need to do something else that will help you. And so I just wanted to mention that it's not easy. It's not an on and off switch. Mm -hmm. Your mindset is a muscle. It takes work. It just needs as much attention as every other aspect of your health, Mm -hmm. if not more so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Tara, where can everyone find you and follow along with what you're doing? Oh, so I'm my website is pcosprord.com and I'm very active on Instagram at pcos.pro.dietitian. I should probably make those the same, but you know, one thing. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, send me a message, um, say hi. I'd love to know if you listened today. And like, if anything resonated with you, I always love connecting with people over stuff like that. So. Okay, great. Um, we'll link to that yeah. in the show notes. I have a couple of rapid fire questions for you. Yeah. Are oh, you gosh. up for it? 
Yes. Yes. I'll caveat with I'm not great. All right. Whatever comes to mind. Okay. (laughs) All right. Tell me your favorite meal at the moment. Oh, oh, okay. So last night it was salmon with this, um, that chili onion seasoning from Trader Joe's. Holy crap. Put that slathered on it with this coconut rice that I make Mm. and then broccolini. All right. Okay. Oh my God. That sounds amazing. If you weren't a dietitian, what would be your occupation? Um, ooh, I really, I really like home interiors and things like that. So oh yeah, I, maybe I'd gravitate towards something like that. Or okay, actually no, that's not it. I would be a bed and breakfast host. I would just have a little cottage, and I would take care of it, and I would serve serve wine and cheese at night to the guests, and I would take care of it, and it would just be that's what I would do. That's so funny. I just told my friend that's what I want to do when I retire, like have it bed and breakfast. Yeah. Oh my God. It's such a dream. I would love that. Okay, great. So we can go in business together on that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Name one famous figure you'd like to go to dinner with, alive or not? Steven Tyler. I'm such a fan. I'm like, I just... It's I've seen him in concert like 10 times. I've just always loved Aerosmith and I just think he's such an interesting person. I would love to hear the stories he has to tell. I, I can't think of like an inspirational person I'd like to have dinner with right now, but that's the first one that comes to mind. No, that should be a really interesting dinner. Yeah, that, it's a cool guy. Uh, what's one healthy habit that you think is totally overrated, is not talked about enough? Uh, overrated health. Habit. I mean, underrated. I'm sorry, underrated underrated yes sorry um, I totally read that wrong no 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 no. sleep yes okay it's right, sleep. It's, sleep. it's such a game changer for people like yes when I can get people sleeping eight hours a night through the night like it's just it ripples into everything then they have more energy to move their body then they have more energy and motivation to like make some meals and you feel better mentally like oh my gosh tangent but have you ever read um why we sleep by Matthew Walker. No. Oh my God. So he's a sleep researcher. It is such a great, it's all the evidence about sleep and all the systems in the body that it affects. And like that, I mean, I knew, but that book really drove it home for me that I talk to sleep about everything, you know, with every single one of my clients that talk about sleep. And I think once you get that solid, lots of stuff falls in place. Okay. We'll have to link to that book. It sounds very interesting. It's really good. Yeah. Tara, thank you so much for being here. This was great. so fun. I really, the conversation just flowed so organically and I just love that. And um, so thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone go follow Tara. She she sends out such great Instagram posts. And I was going to say you send out emails to your list. So you also have a resource, right? A free resource. Do you want to mention that? Yeah, I have a free seven day meal plan to just kind of give people an idea of what PCOS nutrition can look like. Obviously, that can look like a lot of different things, but to just show people it can be delicious. It can be simple. It can be nourishing. Um, So you can find that on my website or through my link tree on my bio and Instagram. That's there. You can join my email list. I I send out usually like every week or every two weeks. And it's I just try to give people short kind of things of like a short topic of something we can understand or grasp very quickly or resources, recipes, support. I find that that's something I end up talking about a lot too. So yeah, so join uh, join the party. (laughs) Yep, I love everything you're doing. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Daphne.